Hello and welcome to this Grace Baptist Mission Media podcast. You're going to hear Serving Today, a program for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in discipling others or perhaps you teach the Bible one-to-one or in a small group, Serving Today will be relevant for a wide range of believers. Welcome to Serving Today, the programme for pastors and church leaders. This is Andrew Cook. It's lovely to be with you once again. More on the Holy Spirit's work in the believer in the Christian Basics series. We're continuing our Christian Basics series on the important subject of the Holy Spirit and in particular his work in the Christian believer. Each follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is described in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 as a temple of the Holy Spirit. Each disciple of Christ has been born again by the Holy Spirit, as we read in the third chapter of John's Gospel, as Jesus taught Nicodemus. Indeed, the Holy Spirit's work in the life of the child of God is truly wonderful. Now, Something that's caused a lot of confusion amongst genuine believers is the matter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are some who say we need to receive the Spirit after we have become Christians. Others say only a few believers are baptised by the Spirit and still others say it is the same as being filled with the Spirit. So here on Serving Today we need to look at this carefully by examining the Scriptures together and will be helped in doing so by our friend Dr John Hall. As usual, Derek French has spoken with John for us, and to begin with, he asked him if it would be possible for him to give us a Bible verse that clarifies for us whether all true Christian believers are baptised in the Holy Spirit or not. Yes, Derek, it is. This phrase, baptism of the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit or by the Holy Spirit, is really found as a promise in the Gospels and in Acts, and fulfilled in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. But it's also found in one other place where Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 that all true believers are baptised in the Holy Spirit as they believe in the Lord Jesus. And Derek's going to read that for us. For we are all baptised by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. So there you are, you see, he's writing to Christians and he says, for we are all baptised. Now these Corinthians were having lots and lots of trouble and were far from particularly holy or sparkling in their Christian lives. But to be a Christian, they had to be baptised by the one spirit. They had to be united to Christ. They had to be part of his one body, part of the universal church. So all the Christians... Paul was writing to were given the one spirit to drink and so we need to be quite clear that all Christians are baptised by the Holy Spirit because that's the thing if you like that makes them a Christian. Paul tells us in Galatians 3 verses 2 to 3 and verse 14 that the Holy Spirit is received by faith and Derek's going to read those verses to us now. Paul writes I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? And then in verse 14, He, that is Christ, redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith 
we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So by faith, we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Coming to Christ, having faith in Christ, you receive from him the promise of the Holy Spirit. Well, John, then what's the link between being baptised in the Spirit and being filled? Is the first, the baptism, a one-off experience at the beginning of the Christian life, whereas being filled is to be our ongoing experience? Yes, Derek, it's exactly that. That to be baptised is how we begin the Christian life, by being united to Christ as our Saviour and Lord. The Holy Spirit and all else we do with Christ is received through the channel of faith, which is a gift of God. But as we've already seen, it says in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit, or go on being filled with the Spirit. And you may say that if he's already there, how can I have more of him? But what he means there is that increasingly we should seek that the Holy Spirit should control every aspect of our lives, that we should be subject to his work. And being subject to his work means that we shall see more of Christ, that we shall want to obey what Christ's word says and the Holy Spirit says through the word of God, and that we'll want to be filled with his chief fruit, if you like, love, and all the things that flow from it. Mm, as you were talking, and it struck me, I remember somebody saying it's not so much how much more of the Holy Spirit can we have, but how much more of us can he have? How well, much that's more right. holy are we? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. And how much more influence he has on our lives. Mm. John, again, a question that overlaps much of what you've said already is this. What are the indications and marks that we've received the Spirit and that he indwells our lives? For example, is it something that we're always aware of? Do we realise he's there constantly? Do we have a sort of inner glow of warmth because of his presence? Do we suddenly become dynamic and discover, for example, that sin and temptation never troubles us again? Or is it that we have some extraordinary gift and so on? I ask this because... I, for one, find that my feelings vary from day to day, even within an hour sometimes. So how can you help us with this? Yes, Derek, let's tease out some of the questions that you've asked there. You've asked quite a few questions. Are we always aware of his work? Well, yes, on the whole, we are when we ask ourselves this question. Who am I trusting in to get to heaven? I wonder what you'd say, listener. The true Christian answers Christ and Christ alone. Now, you see, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't say Christ is Lord unless you have the Holy Spirit. So the fact that you can answer that shows that the Holy Spirit is with you. Do we always have an inner glow? Well, no, we don't. <laughs> All of us know that. There are times that I've had an inner glow and not been that efficient in doing my work or oversympathetic with other Christians who were struggling. And so it wouldn't always be good to have an inner glow. Sometimes the battle with indwelling sin and Satan is severe. Sometimes we're sick. Sometimes we've all sorts of trouble which take away that inner sense of uh, contentment. But the Holy Spirit is still with us in that battle. Is still with us when we're undergoing difficulty and sickness. And we can always ascertain that by saying, who at this time am I trusting in to help me, to save me and to sustain me? And the true believer says Christ, and that's the work of the Spirit. Do we all have an extraordinary gift, a fantastic gift? Do you believe her? You know, all Christians do. We all have the Holy Spirit. He himself is the gift, and he's the fantastic gift. He unites us to Christ, 
and in Christ we have absolutely phenomenal blessings. We have forgiveness, we have life, we're part of God's family, heaven's guaranteed to us too. And you can read all about those phenomenal blessings that you have in Christ in Ephesians 1, 3-14. It's true we must not just rely on our feelings, but we obviously should have feelings. We should experience God's love and love him passionately in return. Let's say it's not primarily feelings like tingling or falling or some feeling of power that point to the Holy Spirit. But it's what Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3 that points to the Holy Spirit, which Derek's going to read to us now. Paul writes, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. This ties in with what Paul writes in Galatians 5 that we've already looked at, that the fruit of the Spirit is love. And so you can see that the work of the Holy Spirit is at work in you if you love God, if you love your fellow Christians. Love is the sign that the Holy Spirit is there with you. And so we've seen that you're aware of his work when you trust in Christ. We've seen that you don't always have the inner glow. We've seen that you do have an extraordinary gift because you have the Holy Spirit who unites you to Christ and all his blessings. And we've seen that if you love God and you have an increasing love both for God and your fellow believers, then the Holy Spirit is at work in you. But also another mark that the Holy Spirit is at work in you is faith in Christ. It's having faith in Christ which produces a changed life. And Eric's going to read Galatians 3.14 for us. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is granted to us by faith, and by faith, which is also a gift of God, we trust in Christ and receive the Spirit. And so we have both the evidence and the blessings, because once by the Spirit we're in Christ, in Christ we have every spiritual blessing. The Holy Spirit produces in us a changed life, a life of obedience and holiness, where we sprout the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces, which we've already looked at. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and so on. One of the marks of those whose lives are under the Holy Spirit's control is that they desire to live in a way that glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a matter of deep concern for them and a theme of their daily prayers. To please the Lord is more important to them than anything else. In other words, they long to be truly consecrated to Christ. One such believer was a lady named Frances Ridley Havergale. Her father was a pastor and with her mother lived godly lives and desired the salvation of each of their six children, of whom Frances was the youngest. This became a reality for Frances at the age of 14. Having experienced the conviction of her sin for quite some time previously, she placed her trust in Christ alone. It was later said of her that her life shone with the love of Christ, such was the deep work of the Holy Spirit in her life. 
Frances died at the young age of 42, and we're told that just 10 minutes before she died, she quietly sang the first verse of a hymn by Marty Jane Walker. And these are the words. Jesus, I will trust thee, trust thee with my soul. Guilty, lost and helpless, thou canst make me whole. There is none in heaven or on earth like thee. Thou hast died for sinners, therefore, Lord, for me. Francis wanted every part of her life to be used for the glory of God and to bring honour to the Lord Jesus Christ, her Saviour. Throughout her life she wrote many poems and hymns and one of these which helps us to see the Holy Spirit was working in her life begins like this. Take my life and let it be, consecrated Lord to thee, take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. As the hymn unfolds, she speaks of longing that her hands and feet, her voice and lips, her silver and gold, her intellect and will, her heart and love be consecrated to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, with that, we end our time together here on Serving Today. So this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May it please the Lord to produce a wholehearted dedication of our lives to Christ and those to whom we minister. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. There are a number of ways to get in touch. Our email address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk. Find us on Twitter at servingtodaygbm. Or you can search our web catalogue at www.gbm.org.uk forward slash radio. Thanks for listening and goodbye.